going to hold on, but I ain't going to hold too long for you now. Pull out your mobile device, whatever you need, Matthew 25. And children, we've got something for you in just a few moments, all right? Something special is coming your way. Let us pray. The Lord lives, and blessed be the rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Oh, Lord, be exalted today in our lives. Be exalted today through this teaching time. This is your word. Would you help me to declare it properly? Would you help your people to hear it well? Would you help all of us to apply it? Because faith without works is dead. Information without application is a waste of time. So we thank you, Lord, that when we get into your house, we can not only worship you, but we can also hear from you. And whenever we open up your book, you speak. And you just so happen to use teachers and preachers to expound upon your word. Lord, you use limited, flawed folk to talk about your peerless and perfect word. Help me not to get in the way. Help me, Lord, to just communicate according to the ability that you've given to me to steward and shepherd this flock that you've put under my care and the elders. Would you bless each person today under the sound of my voice? Would you give them what they need? We thank you for the spoken word today that reminded us of your faithfulness. And we thank you, Lord, that we had an opportunity just to give you worship, not expecting anything in return. But we do know that when you are hallowed, you inhabit the praises of your people. Your presence, Lord, we need more than anything because in your presence is the joy that we all seek. Thank you, God. Would you heal bodies? Would you heal minds? Will we be able to cast our cares on you because we know that you care for us? You're a good, good father. Oh, God, and you've blessed us to be a blessing. Help us, Lord, as soldiers in your army to understand what our marching orders are so that we can go out and let our light shine so that the world may know that Jesus Christ is alive. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I was awakened about 4 o'clock this morning in order to take my oldest daughter to the airport at 4.15 so that she could fly back to New York City. Oh, we had a great time as a family this week, but 4 came real early this morning. And as I dropped her off at the airport, she had her bags with her. And you know how it is at the airport, they have the people outside who are there to take your bags from you. And when they take your bags, they, they put them on the conveyor belt, and the conveyor belt takes your bag to the plane that you're going to be on. Now, when you hand your bag over to the person at the airport, the person at the airport understands that they do not own your bag. They know that that's not their bag. That's your bag that you just let them hold and manage. And as we've been talking about stewardship, it's as if God has given us his bags, his resources to handle, to manage. We don't own the bags. God owns the bags. How foolish it would be if an airline tried to keep 
take and own your bags for themselves. That's not what they're supposed to do. Now, if they lose your bag, that's something else. They're not supposed to keep your bag. They're supposed to handle your bag. And imagine a Christian trying to act like we own the stuff that God has put in our care. How foolish that is. Lord, would you teach us how to manage and be a steward? Because we've been learning for the past four weeks that a steward owns no things, but manages all things and works to expand certain things all for the glory of the king. So a steward owns no things, but we manage all things and we work to expand certain things all for the glory of the king. So in this series that we've entitled, This is How We Do It, God's People Managing God's Resources God's Way, we took some time to look at several messages from Scripture. And the first one was, this is how he owns it. And we looked at how God owns everything and he allows us to manage his things. From there, we went on to, this is how we earn it. Then from there, this is how we use it. And then last week, this is how we give it. And today, to close out this series, let's talk about this is how we expand it. This is how we expand it. And when it comes to the unique, listen to this, opportunities, gifts, talents that God has entrusted to each one of us, it is fair to say that he expects a return on the investment. Each of us has unique opportunities, gifts, and talents that come from God. And when he gives us these opportunities, these gifts, and these talents, he expects there to be a return on the things that he's given us. In other words, he expects us to increase, to grow, or to expand what he's given us as stewards. For us to give these opportunities, gifts, and talents back to God in the same capacity in which we receive them is unacceptable. Therefore, Jesus had to tell a parable so that the people then and his people now can get the importance of expanding and growing and multiplying the things that he's invested into us. So Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 25. Matter of fact, he tells several parables in Matthew 25. And a parable is a simple story with a central meaning. So when you see Jesus telling parables in the New Testament, in the Gospels, a parable is simply a simple story that has a central meaning to it. And we have to be careful as those who interpret the Bible to not stretch the parable beyond its intended meaning, its simplistic meaning. We also have to be careful not to try and build theological positions off of parables. They're really just illustrations that a first century peasant preacher used to get the point across. It's an illustration that has a central meaning to it. And the central meaning of the parable we're going to look at today, which has been called the parable of the talents, the central meaning is to illustrate the proper and improper use of God-given opportunities. So this parable is going to look at how people use God's opportunities properly as faithful servants and how people misuse God's opportunity as wicked and unfaithful servants. This parable calls the hearer to decide upon whether or not he or she 
will be a faithful steward. Because we saw last week in 1 Corinthians 4 that it is required of a steward that he or she be found faithful. So God calls us to be dependable, trustworthy stewards of his. And so this parable is designed for the hearer to make a decision to say, I don't want to be like the unfaithful servant. I want to be like the faithful servant. You see, faithfulness produces fruitfulness. Unfaithfulness leads to severe consequences. And that's what this parable jumps into. So let's begin reading at verse 14 of Matthew chapter 25. And I'm coming from the new King Jimmy. It begins at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So stop and pause. Remember, this is a simple story with a central meaning. And so when we read the story, there are parallels or there are references to the Lord. And in verse 14, the man who's going to a far country, who's going on a journey, represents Jesus Christ, who is about to go away to, the, to be in heaven with his father before he returns. He's about to go on a journey. So the man represents the son of man, Jesus Christ, who's traveling to a far country, which is heaven. He's about to ascend after crucifixion and resurrection, who called his own servants. His own servants. Now, whose servants are these? They're the man's servants, or they are the Lord's servants. Some translations will say slave. The word servant there is a Greek word doulos, which means bond slave, or a slave that has a relationship with the master. And so Jesus is going to call his own servants, his own slaves, who have a relationship with him. And so when he calls them, I just need to ask again, whose servants are these? They're the Lord's. So the servants do not belong to themselves. Who do they belong to? The man. Which means, again, that they're stewards. They're house managers. They're not house owners. And so the man, Jesus, calls his own servants and delivers his goods to them or his property. Whose property is it? The Lord's. It's not the servants, right? It's the Lord's. So, again, they are managing the man's property. They are managing the Lord's goods. They don't own this stuff. And then in verse 15, and to one he gave five talents. And then the Bible goes on to say, to another two and to another one, to each according to his ability, and immediately he went on a journey. So he gives these servants, these slaves, these house slaves or stewards, his own goods to manage while he's gone. And not only does he give them the goods, he gives them some money to manage as well. Because when we read talent in the Bible, that's not talking about you can sing or you can dance. You know, okay, we'll talk about that in a moment because that even comes from God too. If you can sing and dance and draw and all that, that comes from God. Those are talents. But talent right here, back in that day, was a unit of measurement. And it spoke of measuring money. So a talent of gold was worth more than a talent of silver because a talent was just a measurement of weight and gold worth 
was worth more than silver and on and on. So he delivered talents. We're not told how many, uh, rather what kind of talent they were. We're just given the increment, and he gave five talents, two talents, and one talent to his servants, and he gave them according to their own ability. So when he gave the one five, he knew the ability of the one who was receiving the five that he could handle five. And when he gave the other one two, he knew the ability of the one with the two that she could handle the two and on and on. What this means is God will not give you something that you cannot manage or handle or expand for his kingdom. He will give you something based on your ability. He knows your ability. So when he gives you a talent, and, and as we said, talent means money in the original intention of the parable, but the application thereof can mean opportunities. It can mean not only money, but it can mean uh, doors that God is opening up. It can mean talents that he has bestowed upon you. He's giving you something that in and of yourself you cannot produce on your own. It's a gift from him. He gave you something according to your ability that you can maximize for his glory. And he sets each servant up to succeed. So he's not going to give you something that you'll fail at. Because he knows your type. He knows your ability. He knows what you're capable of. So what he gave you is unique to you. Nobody else has what he gave you. And what he gave you, you can maximize for his glory. You can multiply it. You can expand it. He knows you. He gave you something he didn't give to anyone else. So we see in verse 16. Oh, let me back up in verse 15. Watch this. That when it says to each according to his ability, the word ability is the Greek word dunamis, which means power authority, that he, he knows your power. He knows what you're capable of. He studied you like a personal trainer. A personal trainer can come out and look at a person's body type and say, this is the kind of workout you need. This is what will help your shoulders develop. This will help your thighs do this. They know how to look at you and give you what you need based on your ability. The Lord knows us inside and out. He says, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a personality style. I'm going to give you a passion. I'm going to give you a gift, spiritual. I'm going to give you a talent, natural. I'm going to give you stuff to bring me glory in the earth and help other folk. So he goes on in verse 16, then he who had received the five went and traded with them and made another five talents. The word made is the same word found in verse 17, which is gained. So the word made and gained are used interchangeably, but these words simply mean that they expanded what was given to them. So they received five. Then they just didn't sit down on the five. He got up and went and traded, or he worked them. And he made five more talents. Or he made money with the money in the original context and intent. He made money with the money. He multiplied it. He expanded. Verse 17, and likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Now, check this out, Chauncey. The brother was working, because to dig, you got to work. But he was doing his own thing, not the Lord's thing. It's kind of like Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel because his offering was not acceptable to God because he did his own thing when he offered his offering to God. And when God rejected him, that caused haterism to rise up in his heart towards God and towards his brother who did do it the right way. 
because Cain's offering said, look at the work of my hands. But Abel's offering said, look at the work of God's hands. Cain was like, look at me. I'm doing it my way. God required blood from the animals. Cain says, I'm going to give you these plants and this vegetation. No, God says, I, I require blood. And so this service says, I'm doing it my way. I'm going to go dig. I'm going to work, but I ain't going to work smart. <laughs> I'm going to work. I'm going to do my own thing. Because once I dig this stuff, I'm chilling because I'm going to hide this money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The Lord has been gone for a long time, but I got to tell you, he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, judgment must first start in the house of God. He's going to deal with us first before the great white throne in Revelation 20. 1 Corinthians 3, he's going to deal the Bema seat of Christ where he's going to judge Christians, not for our sin because that was already determined at Calvary, but he's going to judge us based on our service and the integrity of our works. We're all going to have to give an account of our abilities. That's what accountability is. So the Lord just doesn't give you stuff and don't check up on you. No, he gives you because he's a good steward of his stuff. So if he gives you his stuff, he wants to know what you did with his stuff. And judgment day for Christians, the beam of seat, we're going to have to answer to God for what we did with the things and the opportunities that he gave us. Did we multiply it or did we act in fear and dig these things and put them into the ground? And that's where some of our works will come forth as wood, hay, and straw. Some will come forth as gold, silver, and precious stones. But each of us must give an account to God. Oh, we're going to see him. It's going to be great to see him. But then he's also going to check us and find out what we did with what he gave us. And that holy reverence, that holy fear ought to help bring additional motivation. We should do the right thing out of love for him. But we should also do the right thing because we respect him. My God. And I don't want to disappoint him. I want to bring a smile to his face. Well, let me keep rolling. Verse 20, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained or expanded five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. There it is. When you're faithful, you're fruitful. Lord, I want to be a faithful servant. He says, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Watch this. He started off as a servant, but ended up as a ruler. Oh, y'all don't have time to hear that. He started off as a servant, as a slave, but he was promoted to rule. Oh, my God, I got to keep on moving. And then the Bible says in verse 22, he also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Watch this. The one who turned five to ten and the one who turned two to four received the same commendation from the Lord, even though they had different results in their work. Because God is not so much concerned with the numbers the way we are. God is concerned with faithfulness with what he gave you. And when you're faithful, whether you have two mites or two million, he says, well done, because you've been faithful with what I've given to you. So let's stop comparing on earth between who, how many this person has versus how much I have. Just be faithful with what he gave you. 
because your ability may not be to manage what someone else has. They have five businesses. You have one. Don't look down because you have one, because they have five. No, be faithful with the one he gave you. And you'll hear, well done, just like the one who had five businesses. Oh, my God. Thank you, Lord. No respect of persons. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent. I can see this brother now. He's just probably walking up there real slow and hesitant. He said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. This bond slave doesn't really know who his master is. He thinks his master is a cruel master. You don't really have a relationship with him if you think that he's a cosmic killjoy or he's in heaven just waiting to stomp you upside your head. You don't really know him well that he leads us with love. If you think that God is out to get you, you don't really know him well. And you claim to be his son or daughter. You got to get to know him better. But watch this though. The Lord is going to use the, the man's words against him. Because the Lord is not saying, well, you're right, I am a mean taskmaster. No, no, no. God is not a mean taskmaster. But if that's how you're going to view God, then that's how God is going to bring it back to you, and he's going to treat you that way. Verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So if that's what you think of me, that's how I'm going to talk to you. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Because if you don't use what God gave you, he'll take it from you and give it to somebody else. And the man is wicked and lazy because he didn't act upon what God had given him. He did his own thing, his own way, and he sat back and chilled. He came to church every Sunday but didn't do anything in the church or through the church or for the church. Just lazy. And the Lord says, okay, wicked and lazy because you're telling on yourself concerning who you really are because a faithful servant is going to work what I've given him out of gratitude, but a wicked and lazy servant doesn't know who the master is, will bury it, and then give this kind of typecast, this wrong view of the master, but, oh, it's going to hurt him in the end. Verse 29, for to everyone who has, more will be given. Lord, give me more, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, again, I, I don't know exactly what that means, that last verse. Does that mean this servant is going to hell? Or does this mean that this servant is a believer who gets into heaven through the fire? I don't know for sure. Again, I don't want to press theological points from a parable. But I do know this. I do not want to be that wicked and lazy servant under any circumstances. I refuse to be that person. I don't want to know what that weeping and gnashing of teeth has to do. I, that, that don't even, it ain't even going to come up with a brother. Because I'm going to work what he's given me. 
And many years ago, he gave me a gift. He gave me a calling. He gave me a talent. He gave me many, but he gave me a main gift and talent to communicate his word to people. That's what he gave me. And I refuse to give that gift back to God when I see him, having not grown in it, expanded in it. Can't, uh-uh. He's given me many things, but that's the main one. Communicate my word to people, people who are saved, people who are not saved, people in the church, people in the world. Communicate my word. And I started off rapping, doing my thing. And that grew, and that expanded to preaching. And that expanded to being a youth minister, a community minister. That expanded to planting a church, preaching the word after all these years. And I'm going to preach it till I die. <laughs> and to further illustrate this principle of acting on the opportunities he's given you, not sitting on your laurels, not being comfortable, that leads to complacency. Working. I, 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 I got to bring my bride up here because she has something she wants to read to you but she's been a faithful steward because back in 2015, God started giving my wife stories and she started writing them down. And then she started querying them out to publishers. And, and it's a wonderful story how even when doors were shut in her face, even when people said no or people didn't call back and help, she kept going because she felt God gave her something special. And then God opened up doors. He's opening up doors. He's opening up doors. And there's something special for the church. So, baby, I mean, Darina, uh, I need you to come now. Amen. Do I have any good listeners, children who are good listeners in here? Any kids who are good listeners? If you are, ask your parents if it's okay with them. You are welcome to come and sit up here on the floor. All my good listeners, you guys have done so well. You can sit right here in the middle. There we go. Awesome. It's so good to see all of you. Awesome, awesome. Well, I am, as Chris said, so grateful for the opportunity to share this special book with all of you. This is Graceful, and this is the third book that I will release February 1st. So it's not in the bookstores yet. So you guys are the first people that get to hear me read it, okay? And I'm going to tell you at the end why there's something really special about this for you, okay? So we'll have it up on PowerPoint so that the big people can listen as well since you guys can see it, okay? So this is Graceful, Growing a Heart That Cares for Our Neighbors. And there's my name as the author. And then the illustrator is Geneva B., On Sunday morning, the church was filled with joyful music. Hope and her family clapped and sang along. God will take care of me. His word is true. His grace is flowing down, making things new. Showers of blessing, send it on down. I see his favor. It shines all around. 
Good morning, said Pastor Will, <laughs> to welcome everyone. I'm so glad to see you all in God's house today. It's time for our monthly grace offering. Our gifts will lift someone up just as God has done for us. This month's grace offering will help the Habib family get back on their feet. They are staying at the Chin House, where our church will be volunteering this week. Leaving church, Hope told her parents about her new friend, Anna Habib, whose family was from Syria. Mom, when Pastor Will talked about the Habib family, what did he mean they're getting back on their feet? Well, right now, their family is homeless replied her mom. You mean they don't have a home? I thought the pastor said they are living at a chin house, said Hope. I'm glad you were listening, said mom. The Habib family went through some hard times and lost their home. The chin house is a shelter where homeless families live while they look for a better job and a new home. What's it like there, asked Hope. How about we go volunteer with the church and see for ourselves, said Mom. On volunteer day, Hope wasn't sure what to expect, but she smiled when she saw Anna talking with their friend, Ahanu. Hi, Hope. We get to work in the garden together, greeted Anna. And we might find a worm, said Ahanu with a big smile. Really? Are you sure there's a garden here, asked Hope, looking at the concrete sidewalks and walls of the city. Anna leaned in to whisper, it's a secret garden on the roof. The kids ran up the stairs and Hope was so surprised at what she found. Wow, I never thought all this would be growing way up here. It's so colorful. Yes, it is, said Miss Habib. Even better, the veggies from this roof help feed families like us who stay here. And money from selling extra vegetables helps too. And it feeds the worms, Ahanu grinned. All that gardening sure made me hungry. I'm glad it started raining so we could stop for lunch, said Anna. And I'm glad you're eating your vegetables, laughed Miss Habib. We better get home, said Hope's mom, but we'll see you for dinner at our house tomorrow night. More veggies, but no worms, she added with a wink. Hope spent the next morning in the garden at home. Did you like helping at the chin house yesterday? Asked her mom. Yes, but it doesn't seem fair that the Habibs have to live in a shelter, said Hope. You're right, it's not fair. But I am glad to know places like the chin house and our church can help show God's grace. Hopefully with Miss Habib's new job, their family will get a place of their own soon.
It's a gift to see God's grace, especially when times are hard. But what does grace look like? Asked Hope. Mom thought for a second. Well, kind of like the rain. Every good gift is from above, Hope. God showers blessings on all of us. When we truly understand that, we can't help but share grace and lift others up. Much like how the rain makes this rose bush grow full of flowers, we can then share. When grace is full and overflowing, we are graceful. All the next day, Hope thought about God's grace while waiting for Anna's family to come for dinner. Anna, let's go to my room. I've got some new rain rain boots you can have if they fit you. They fit. Are you sure I can have them? Asked Anna. Sure. Mom said that God showers blessings on us to share with others. Wow, thanks. I can't wait to wear them the next time it rains, said Anna. It was a joyful day when the Habib family moved to a home of their own. Hope and her family came by to celebrate. We're so happy for you, said Hope's mom as she hugged Miss Habib. And we wanted to share this rose bush with you so you can grow something colorful in your own backyard, said Hope's dad. That's so thoughtful. You have all been such a blessing to us, said Grandma Habib. Anna, I like your new house, said Hope. Thanks, said Anna. Mama says God's grace just keeps falling on us. Well, a little more grace might be falling. It looks like rain, said Hope. Let's go see. Anna stretched her hands out to catch the raindrops. It's showers of blessing, she said. Yep, said Hope. And thanks to God, we're graceful. So that is the end of the story. Thank you. And thank you all for being awesome listeners. You are excellent. I give you an A plus. If I were your teacher, I would say A plus. Um, One extra special thing that I wanted to share with Strong Tower today Um, For those of you who don't know, I have um, been blessed by God in the stewardship he's given me to release two books this year. And um, in those books, the dedications are very special to me. My first book I dedicated to my parents because they taught me by their example how to love people of every race. The second book I dedicated to um, in the memory of a teacher who's in heaven now. And she showed me by her example how to be thoughtful towards people and see the gifts and value in all kinds of people. Um, In this book, I am blessed and wanted to read it to Strong Tower first because this book is dedicated to you. And it says, to Strong Tower Bible Church, a colorful display of God's diverse kingdom, full of kind thoughts and showered with grace. You truly are the heart behind these stories. Good job, kids. Good job. Thank you, guys.
Excellent. All right. As Tyrus plays, this is our opportunity to end the year with a testimony. I ask for at least 10 of you to follow the ABCs, articulate, brief, Christ-centered. And ask you to join me on stage in a moment. Just testify something he did that you want to share or something he is doing that you want to share, something he brought you through, something he brought you out of, something he did, a prayer that was answered. If you feel led to testify, come join me on the platform. Come on, come on. I'll wait for you. Come on. I see you, Miss Eileen. Come on, Brother Rick. Come on, if you have a testimony, come on, come on. Again, we know everybody can testify, but there's some of you, you know, you're supposed to. Come on. This is the body of Christ. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. Amen. Peter Pointer, I'm glad he saved you this year. Amen. I want to take your testimony. All right. All right. Is there one more? Is there one more? Because you know how it is. Once the spirit starts moving, somebody's going to be like, man, I need to go. But I'm going to try to cut this off. All right? But I don't want to be a bad guy. But the Titans don't play till later than night. So just, <laughs> amen. Miss Eileen, come on. Well, um, just wanted to share with you, this has been the hardest year of my life. Um, in March, my husband of um, over 